Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and what a delight to be back with you again today. We are going to take a look at how we can legally reduce or totally eliminate our state and local income taxes through acceleration and depreciation. Our Joe Vyrie is a cost segregationist professional with 14 years of hands-on experience, including on-site verifications, estimating cost analysis, and tax classification. He is a regular presenter at workshops nationwide wide. And Joe, we are so happy to have you with us today to talk about this very pertinent topic. But before we get into that, share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are today. Well, thank you for having me, Alan. Way back when, I think it was very formative, when my first job, I worked for a large restaurant corporation. And then outside of college, or I'm sorry, during college, when I went to college, I worked for another large retail organization. And what that left me with after um, graduating from college was the fact that Joe was not a good candidate to work for a large organization. And when I did graduate, it almost immediately I started in the entrepreneurial mode. I started my own business and I have not gone back to the dark side ever again. Now I say dark side tongue in cheek because there are a lot of wonderful aspects about working for large corporate America. But for my personality, what I did was the only way that I could have found happiness. So I'm glad that you found that because yeah. what you are doing today is certainly a crucial part of the bottom line for successful real estate investing. So Joe, start us off here by telling us what cost segregation is. So let me begin by saying that USTAGI, we are not accountants and we do not give tax advice. And of course, we're not attorneys. We don't give legal advice, but I have to work with accountants because the accountants are critical. They apply our findings. And so basically that being said, depreciation in a very high level definition is a concept where the IRS recognizes that your building is falling apart over time. And rather than write it off at the end, when you sell the building, they're letting you take that write-off expense over time. If for a commercial building, it's 39 years. And for a residential building, whether it be a single-family home or it be a multifamily apartment building, it's 27 and a half years. So to calculate the depreciation, anybody can do. If you have a grandchild or a child, it's very simple. All you need to calculate is the building basis. And the building basis is simple. It's the, the acquisition cost of the building, not what it's worth, what you paid for it, less the land. Land is not a depreciable item. So once you get down to the building basis, now you divide by either 39 years or 27 and a half years. So it's easy to understand that you're just getting a little sliver of that expense. And why do people want expenses? Well, it's pretty obvious. You want expenses because that's going to reduce your taxable income. If you reduce your taxable income, voila you reduce your income taxes, both state and federal. So what we do is we apply an IRS doctrine, which does acknowledge that there are many, many hundreds of components in building construction 
that do not conform to 39 and 27 and a half years. They fall into personal property, which is five and seven years, and land improvements, which are 15 years. So if you put those all into a bucket and stir the leftover 39 or 27 and a half year with the shorter life assets that we find, you get all of your depreciation upfront the year that you do the study. And that's what cost segregation is. It's done by an engineer who knows constructions. We know IRS rules and regulations. They're always changing. They're always adding new components that can be accelerated. So we know the laws and we do everything according to the IRS rules and regulations. We're very compliant with the audit technique guidelines published by the IRS. And that's what we do. We, we accelerate the depreciation of a building, which reduces and eliminates or eliminates income taxes. Okay. So you said there's the five and seven year rule and the 15 year rule. And then I heard you say that when that cost segregation study is done, you get all of that the first year. So that confuses me. How do you get the five and seven and the 15 depreciation all in one year? It's a new segue, which I say new, it happened with the uh, Trump Tax Act. And part of that act, uh, because there are a lot of incentives for it, real estate owners, obviously Donald Trump was a real estate owner and a lot of his followers are real estate owners. Basically in that ruling, any building purchased after September 27th of 2017 can now qualify for 100% bonus depreciation. And it's a really simple rule to read. It's, it just says any building component with a life of 20 years or less, you can expense in the year that you do the work and you identify the life of any of the building components. Well, I just told you, what do we do? We break out all of the building lives. So if you're not an engineer and you don't know how this is done, it's impossible for a building owner to identify unless they guess. It's impossible for an accountant to identify 20 year or less items. And so what happens is to use an example, and I'll use a $1.2 million building. That was the acquisition. And let's deduct 200,000 for land. So that leaves us, meaning my engineers, $1 million to work with. If we find 25% of that building in those shorter lives, that means we are giving that owner of the building or owners $250,000 accelerated depreciation in the year they do the study. So if you're on extension, that means you're filing your taxes in, on September 15th, we will give the owner of that building a $250,000 deduction and if you don't need all of the $250,000, the great thing about the rule is it creates a net operating loss, which means it's going to carry forward until you use up the $250,000. So in reality, cost segregation, there's very few circumstances where you wouldn't want to do it. There are some, but we try and identify those in the first phase of our work, meaning that what we do is we gather all the information on the building. And we look at the building and we determine how much engineering time it's going to take. We formulate a fee. We tell the client, okay, this is how much estimate you're going to get. And we want them to decide whether this works for them or not. Again, 95% of the time, the answer is yes. So this occurs at the time that you actually do the study and, and of course, submit the study to the IRS. So that doesn't have to be on acquisition. You could purchase a property today and then five years later, you could do the cost segregation. Is that correct? That's correct. In fact, if you go back prior to 2021, if you're on extension, so I'll make it even simpler. Any building that was bought prior to 2021, we can go back about 15 years 
and do what's called a look back study. The IRS, again, the IRS is so into this and it it all happened because of a a gigantic court case. And the, the ruling judge just told the IRS, look, you guys know how to do this correctly and you're not sharing it with the taxpayers. You must do that. So they came out with all the rules and regulations. So basically, which is magical, is we can go back about 15 years when you acquired the building. Now, keep in mind, we do not care how old the building is. George Washington could have slept in that building, but the depreciation clock starts over when somebody buys that building. So if you bought the building in 2015, we can go back to 2015 and we have to do is a couple of calculations where we say, okay, this is how much we find in acceleration. This is how much you've used in depreciation using straight line. And these are the calculations of what you have in the current tax year. So it's very powerful and it's, it's approved. The only wrinkle when you do look back studies is the accountant must tell the IRS these calculations. And it's a form called the 3115, which is a change of accounting method form. So you're telling the IRS, okay, IRS, this is all the depreciation we took. This is the new accelerated depreciation. And here's the math showing this. Now, what we do is we give the accountant and, and the property owner that math. We do the heavy lifting. They have to fill out the form and they have to sign it because we can't sign a tax form. So a 3115 is required for look back studies. If it's a current year acquisition, there is no change of accounting method because our findings are what they're going to file in their first tax return. Okay. So just in general, you said 95% of the time this is going to work. So specifically, who should actually be looking at this cost segregation? Say someone purchased a laundromat, but they didn't purchase the building or they didn't purchase the real estate. They just purchased the laundromat and the facilities in there. Would it be worthwhile to do a cost segregation in a case like that? You know, the answer is probably going to be yes. And that's a good point because we can do the cost segregation on building improvements. So you mentioned laundromat. Another one that's very easy to understand is a restaurant. Most restaurant tours do not own their the, the building. They own the improvements. Well, guess how much improvements are in a restaurant? Millions. Yeah. And we can break out and segregate those improvements. So we give the findings to whoever owns those improvements, but you don't have to own the building to do cost segregation. So in, in looking at your laundromat, the same thing, whatever the improvements were, they will be owned by the, the operator of the, of the laundromat. He can call us. Now, if it's a small amount, like 500000 or less, eh, I don't know if it would be worthwhile to spend the money doing an engineered report. One of the things that we do is we don't want to take anyone's money that cannot use our services. That's why all the work we do in the beginning, we don't charge for. We want the taxpayer to go to their accountant and say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Accountant, this is what Joe is telling me he's going to find for accelerated depreciation. Can I use it? And if they say no, I'll be the first to tell them, don't do it. Well, what would be an example of that 5% that it usually does not make it worthwhile to do a cost segregation? That's another great question, Alan. Number one, (laughs) I'm saying this, it's funny. Less than 5,000, but then beyond that, yeah. Here's the deal. If you don't pay income taxes, you don't need to call Joe. And there's a lot of an advantage to owning real estate. And it is not surprising at all that some accountants can make it so that there are zero income taxes paid. So you probably don't want to do cost seg. Again, if you're a flipper or you're going to sell the property within two years after acquisition, the math will not probably work out. 
it's a complicated formula and will help them, meaning the building owner with the formula. But how the formula, what we're looking at is we're looking at, okay, you're going to pay me a fee and then you're going to get the accelerated depreciation for two years. But there is a wild card. It's called depreciation recapture. The IRS, when you sell the building for cash, not exchange the building or inheritance, when you sell it for cash, you will have to pay back some of this depreciation. So if it's within two years, I will just tell most investors, if you have a wild internal rate of return, like 60% or 80%, you know what to do with the dollar, then maybe it'll work. But for the most part, I tell anybody who's going to flip a building, don't do it. Save your money. It's, it's probably going to be such a, a, a close call to paying me and getting the value that it's probably not, not worth doing it. So those two are the two main reasons. Somebody who sells the property within two years is not a good candidate. And somebody who is obviously not paying income taxes, I would advise them not to do it. The third possibility is maybe if you're owning a building with a lot of partners and you know that you're going to have to get everyone's consensus because that's how your partnership agreement is. A lot of times I tell those kind of entities like, boy, by the time you present this and then you're going to have to discuss this in all that. Is it really worth, is it really worth the pain and the aggravation? So it just depends on situation. Most of the time, the answer is yes. And the GPs, the general partners can make the decision and they usually say, yes, let's, let's, let's take the accelerated depreciation. We'll give all of the rest of it to the other partners according to how much they own in the building. So they're not going to complain, but they're not going to get the biggest, biggest benefit from doing cost segregation. So those three areas are the ones. There is some discussion about passive active investors. However, just again, a high rule of thumb is I don't have very many passive investors that don't move forward. I give them the information and I say, look, take it back to your accountant and say, Mr. Accountant, Joe is going to give me X in passive losses. Can I use those? And if the accountant says no, I agree. Don't do it. But most of the time, the accountants will say, yeah, we still can make that work. So are these accountants that say no, are they just not educated or are there actually situations where this will not work for passive investors? There are situations because there are rules. One of the misunderstood rules that a lot of accountants don't understand is that my passive losses apply to all passive income. It's not that one building. It's all passive income. And they miss it. Because there are investors out there that own a lot of passive investments and don't realize that, that they can spread this against all of their passive income. So they don't understand that rule. But there are some nuances to the rule, like there is one where you can only take $25,000 max per year for each building or entity. And, you know, it depends. I mean, if it's a $5 million building, you can only take 25% of that huge amount. I'm getting 25,000 for that huge amount of building that I'm accelerating. It may not make sense. But like I said, most of the time accountants are savvy enough that the experienced ones in real estate, and that's the caveat. You need somebody experienced in real estate because a lot of these depreciation rules, they don't have the time to drill down and they just don't know the answers. Yeah, that is good advice for any real estate investor is to have an accountant who understands the real estate business. Yep. It's very different than other kinds of businesses. So Joe, you have a tremendous amount to offer our audience and a whole lot that they can be gained from getting in touch with you. 
So how do they get in touch with you? What do you really have to offer? Well, there's two ways. The easiest is our website, which is www.ustagi.com, U-S-T-A-G-I.com. And they can always pick up my cell phone. We're very client-friendly, 619-548-1990. Excellent. I wonder about cost segregation and audits. Does this make one more susceptible to being audited? You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Alan, because when I started, which was in 2007, the audit technique guidelines that were published by the IRS, the judge made them publish this, was published in 2004. So when I started in 2007, most accountants couldn't even spell cost segregation. They knew nothing about it even though it's been around in other names for decades. But the new name is now cost segregation because of this court case. And so bottom line is they published the audit technique guidelines, which gave everybody the, the ground rules of how the IRS would look at doing it. And so so bottom line is the first years I did it, that was the common thing. Oh, no, 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 it's going to cause an audit. Oh, no, 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 this is a scam. It can't be true. This is too good to be true. No way you're going to save me $150,000 in income debt. No way, that's a scam. And I had to fight and fight and fight that. Now, in 2022, that's gone. I mean, everybody knows that the IRS admitted that cost segregation is the correct way to depreciate a building. And the reason is simple. If I'm standing in a building, in a room or building, and I look at the flooring and it's carpet, and I point to the carpet and say, okay, the IRS, if you use straight line, says that carpet is going to last 27 and a half years. If I had hair, I'd pull it out. The building owner would go, are you crazy? 27 and a half years. I'm lucky if I get three years, five years out of the carpet. Well, the IRS recognizes all types of building components that it's not fair to expense them over 27 and a half years or 39 years. So it it makes sense. So nowadays, I don't get pushback on the audit question. My work has never been audited. The reason why is because the IRS calls me with questions. I get the engineer on the phone. We answer the questions. The IRS agent goes, oh, I get it. You guys know what you're doing. You answer the question. I have no more questions. Goodbye. And that's the end of the discussion with the IRS that we've had. So I understand that. I mean, this can can get so detailed that you can go down to the face plates on electrical outlets. We do it. Is that true? Yeah, we do. Our full detailed study reports are a 30 pages long and we break out everything. I will tell you one unusual fact about my business is that for years, my first 10, 12 years, we were not doing buildings with a basis under 500,000. The reason why is because when we do a detailed engineering study, we have to go to the building and we have to measure everything, all the components of the building, document it by taking pictures, take notes, send that back to the engineer, then the engineer has to do his magic. Okay, if you have a building with a $500,000 basis and the cost of the study is thousands of dollars, it's not worth it. The value proposition doesn't pencil out. So we've developed about six years ago, seven years ago, what we call a modeling study, which uses an analytical approach. So using our analytical approach and our experience, we can now do cost seg and make it value proposition strong for a single family home or for any commercial building that has a basis of 500000 or less. 
So now it's it's very affordable and, you know, we can cover any range of buildings. And, you know, if somebody once asked me, what's your range? What have you done in the past? I've done as small as a $25,000 single family home. I've done as much as a block in downtown Union Square in San Francisco, which was a $500 million project. Well, how do you cost out your studies? Well, again, we we don't do it by any matrix other than the good old fashioned way. We look at the building meaning we get information. We want the address. We want some documentation if we can get our hands on it, like an appraisal. We look at the building and the engineer decides how much time it's going to take to to do the study. Our fee is based on engineering time. End of story. That's all. We don't do it on tax savings. It's engineering time. And we look at the building first so we know what we're getting into because you know there's some buildings out there like Philadelphia is one great example where there's no land. The building and a row home in Philly is the size of a lot. And so there are no land improvements. Well, unless we look at the building, we would not know that. And because there's no land improvements, our findings are going to be lower. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're not going to get 25% or 22% or 23%. We're probably going to get, you know, 15% because there, there simply are no land improvements. So that's how we base our fee. It's all on engineering time. Okay. Well, what should one be looking for in terms of looking at a cost segregation company? And I think this is crucial and very important because since I've been in the business, I know just about everybody out there in the industry. I know who the real people are and who the pretenders are. And here's the one caveat. You ask the company how they base their work. I already told you how we base our work on. We base our work on what's written by the IRS and the audit technique guidelines for cost segregation. It's called the ATG for cost segregation. If somebody is having a hard time sleeping at night, print out the 200-page report and start reading it. But that's our Bible. So we go down the litany and we do everything. We cross our T's and dot our I's. There are companies out there that don't don't follow the audit technique guidelines. The people that work for them are not engineers. They don't have an engineering degree. Red flag number one. The IRS looks at that number one. They're going to want to know, okay, who's doing the study? Then they, they, they take shortcuts. If it's a detailed engineering study, they may not even go to the building and measure everything. They just kind of make everything up. They look at pictures and try and figure out if the pictures are new or, or not. Well, that that's a red flag. The IRS on a detailed engineering study, they're going to want to know really, you know, who went out there and looked at this building. And that's another shortcut a lot of the pretenders will take. So that's the basic answer to the question is make sure that they play by the rules and they use the audit technique guidelines and they base their business practice on the audit technique guidelines. You say there's a lot of pretenders out there. There's not a whole lot of cost segregationist companies out there. <laughs> I don't know how many. How many are there, do you think? You know, okay, you want to define it as good ones or, or, or the guys working out of the garage? <laughs> well, just just in total. what, what I would say probably there's a lot. Like, for example, when I say pretenders, what accountants did is they said, wow, this could make us a lot of money. We're going to be a cost seg company. Hmm. Like, okay, but you're not engineers. Well, that's okay. We know what we're doing. We can fake it until we make, okay, whatever. So the point is, I would say that if you're talking about people who put a shingle out saying cost said, I would say there's probably 500. Oh, really? I would say that there are probably only, there, there are way less than 100 who know their stuff, who are really good. And I will tell a client, if I come across a good one, I'll say, hey, that's a good company. I'm not going to, you know, we can look at, you know, competing on price. That's fine with me. But I'll tell you right now, these guys are good and you'll be happy with their work. I don't 
keep anything back. Let people decide what want to decide. So just again, be careful of that. But there, there are plenty of you Googled cost segregation in Dallas, Texas. You're going to find a, a selection of, of companies out there, but it's a nationwide practice. I happen to be in San Diego. I have two people, important people that, that are in Florida. I have another one in Colorado, another one in Seattle, another one in LA. And we work with buildings in every state. Well, a hundred is more than what I really was aware of, but I could uh, be wrong. I'm uh, guessing. Yeah. Anyway, if you're going to do this, it really is critical, as you are saying, to get somebody who knows what they are doing, not just to avoid the audit, but just to be sure it's done correctly in the first place. And uh, Oh, and we defend our work, too. If we get questioned with the IRS, that's another important factor. When I say pretenders out there, and I know of, of specific circumstances, bottom line is they will not defend their work. They just do the shuffle off the buffalo. They just do this. They just postpone, 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 because they know that if the IRS gets their hands on their report and wants to ask serious questions, they can't answer them. So bottom line is we defend our work at no extra cost. The only extra cost is if the IRS, which is highly unlikely, demands that they we fly out to the building, we, yeah. we'll charge travel. But other than that, we don't charge anything to defend our work. Enlightened investors, a wealth of information today. Thank you so much for being with us. And Joe, delight to have had you with us today. Thanks, Alan. It was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.